My name's Sam Towns. And I'm Alex Norton. And uh, before we get into today's show, I'm going to tell you about what I did <laughs> this week. Whoa, he's just switching to, it up. Just to take it away from you, Alex. Ha ha. That, that's alright. Rested all right. control. Um, it's an uprising. <laughs> you always get to go first. <laughs> Uh, what did you do this week, Sam? Oh, gee, I never thought you'd ask, Alex. I have been preparing for Perth Knife Show, which will be... I'm shocked. ...the day after tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> like, I am slowly losing my mind. I don't think I'm slowly losing my mind. I think I lost my mind a long time ago. Uh, Judging just... from the uh, the contact that I get from you over Messenger and, and such, <laughs> it's more like a, a roller coaster. Honestly, yeah. Ups, it... downs, a couple of loop-de-loops. Honestly, yeah. It's been crazy. I, I, I swear to God that if it wasn't for the fact that I know I'm not, I would worry that I'm bipolar. <laughs> like, I'll start the day like, yes, I've got, I've got this. Hot. Then you're cold, yeah. you're yes, then you're no, you're <laughs> in, then you're out, you're up, you're down. Oh, God. Katy Perry. <laughs> I, I'm disgusted by the fact that I recognise the, the sound. <laughs> anyway. Right. And, all, and every listener who recognised it, you can be disgusted with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, baby, you're a firework. Um. <laughs> Do you ever feel like a plastic bag? <laughs> God, this this episode is, is a Katie's my jam. You know, you can't you can't take show. that away from me. <laughs> <laughs> so how's uh, the PKS prep going? Oh uh, yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, yeah, as I said, it's the day after tomorrow. So tomorrow is preparation day, uh, where I'll be sharpening everything, uh, doing the final polish and everything, and making sure everything's oiled and wrapped up and ready to go. Um, to the show because basically we'll be heading out of the house at about five thirty six o'clock on Saturday morning, so there will be no time to prepare on Saturday. <laughs> so tom- tomorrow is uh, tomorrow is just going to be lots and lots of preparation, like you know, getting everything packed and stuff. So today was kind of my last work day for the PKS, so I'm actually feeling a little bit more relaxed and a lot more anxious, <laughs> which hmm. makes no sense, but. I feel less pressured, but I also feel way more nervous um, because the work is now done and I have no time to fix any problems that I ran into. And I think that's the problem. Um, and now it's just up to twiddling my thumbs and waiting for the clock to slowly tick down. But um, today I was very fortunate to have uh, one of my good friends uh, come over to the workshop to help motivate me and to help keep me from you know, slowly going insane. Um, and he actually came out and had, uh, hung out in my shop and uh, actually cleaned up around the shop for me um, mm-hmm. wh- while I forged. Uh, I decided to light the forge today. I was like, you know, it's the last day that I can work on a knife. I'm going to light the forge and do some hammering because I haven't lit the forge in, I think it's over a month now. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. This this month, every month, every January at, the, at this point is just going to be cold fitting everything, so... 
I fired up the forge and I decided to take the longest time possible to forge a Celtic blacksmith's knife. Um, I can normally bash one out in about 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, I took two and a half hours just slowly working <laughs> at it, um, getting it forged to perfect dimension so that I had to do no grinding uh, except for the bevels. And uh, yeah, it came out really good. I was really happy with it. The handle size is perfect. The blade size is perfect. The blade shape is perfect. Uh, the only grinding on it is on the bevels. Uh, everything else is forged to shape. Um, so yeah, I was, I was very happy with that. And because I took my time and because I wasn't in a rush or anything like that, I wasn't aiming for production. I wasn't aiming to, you know, mass produce them. Uh, it meant that I could really enjoy the process and, you know, slowly work out all the little kinks and stuff like that. So it was really good fun. Um, and it was good to get a hammer back in my hand, get the forge roaring again. It was very meditative, very uh, relaxing. Mm. Uh, and for that for that period of time, I, I wasn't worried about anything. I was only focused on the forge. Uh, the moment the forge shut off, <laughs> the, uh, my, my mind started turning again. Um, Uniqueness Veritas. Yeah, indeed. In Ferro Vitae. Um, but yeah, so I have 20 items in total for PKS. That's um, cool. Yeah, so it's it's a, a nice haul. It's a nice round number. Um, I might have 21. I have a blade that's not going to take me long to finish. And I'm tempted to do it tonight just because I have it there and I want to. <laughs> I don't want to stop working. <laughs> I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm probably going to be up until 2 o'clock this morning just doing it, because why not? Um, but, yeah, so 20, 20 items. Uh, that includes uh, 5 hex hawks, uh, 6 hammers, the muso buoy, the fusion buoy, uh, a, hunt, uh, a full tang hunter, a hidden tang hunter, uh, a puko, a desk knife two Celtic blacksmith's knives, and a whittling knife. And a partridge in a <laughs> Yeah, and I'll be doing a, um, well, it will be out by now. Um, I'm doing a video tomorrow, which will be a week ago, um, on all of the knives that I'm taking in the show, everything that I'm taking in the show. I'm going to lay it That's out awesome. like I did last year and kind of go through everything. Um, yeah, should be good. It'll be good to see the detail on some of them because it's hard to sort of catch glimpses of them in the videos that you have put out there. But I really liked that little segment towards the end of your recent live stream where you get to see the that hunter up close. Yeah. Um, it's the detail that's amazing on them and, and having a video dedicated to them I think would be great. Yeah, uh, that too. I, uh, I've got recently, uh, yesterday actually, got an Optivisor in the, uh, in the mail uh, from eBay. Very handy thing to have. Very. Uh, you know, I've seen so many people using them. Uh, you know, Kyle Royer, uh, D. Hedges, my inspiration from last week. Was it last week? Week, week before. before. Week before last. Um, D, good friend of mine. Um, she uses one, and um, I've also seen Alex Steele use one before he got the microscope, um, back when he did the Viking sword. Um, pretty much everyone who works in highly detailed fields, jewelers, watchmakers, that kind of thing, uses optivisors or a variation thereof. And so I was dedicated to getting a set for myself after I visited D. So now I have a set, and I wish I'd had one at the beginning of this month. Because uh, <laughs> now, now I'm afraid to look at any of the pieces that I've made this month 
Just Isn't it funny how so many tool purchases come as a result of schlepping through doing something the hard way? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's that's always been the way is that you do something and then you go, you know what would make this a lot easier? <laughs> yeah, I think I think tool the, up or die, as Niels Vandenberg says. Uh, that's it. Yes. Um, I think the worst part about owning the Optivisor now is that I can see all of my mistakes magnified. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, it's funny. It's like when women buy those concave mirrors for the first time (laughs) with the lights around them and they're like, oh my God, my pores are huge. (laughs) I mean, it's funny because even with two and a half power, like the, the strongest Optivisor lens you can get is like three and a half power. Uh, it doesn't sound very big, but when you actually use the two and a half power, which the it came fitted with them, it's amazing the detail you can pick up. Mm. Uh, and it's yeah, it's kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad that the judges at the tables will not have optivisors on. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. I'm gonna I'm gonna call ahead and make them bring them. Well, I'm concerned that the uh, master bladesmiths for the ABS are gonna have optivisors on to check the master smith test knives. I would not be surprised. I can just imagine them bringing out like pocket monocles that are actually <laughs> 2.5 magnification. Yeah, that would be right. That'd be about right. But yeah, so uh, that's been that's been my entire life uh, this this week has just been preparation for the for the show, and I'm really glad it's kind of over now, um, and I can get back to work next week or this week, given that it's this episode is coming out after the show. Uh, I'm really glad that I'll be able to get back to normal. (laughs) I don't even know what normal is, but, um, (laughs) I have a crap load of stuff to do after the show. I've got a whole bunch of blades that I forged out and ground and stuff like that, that aren't getting finished for the show. So basically the next two months is going to be filled with, uh, finishing all of those knives and putting them up on my Etsy store and trying to get some more bladesmithing done this year. Um, Last year was kind of filled with nothing but axe making and hammer making and general blacksmithing and, you know, I I put a lot of work into the YouTube channel and stuff like that. And I think this year, I don't want to stop doing YouTube thing, like, that's that's still going to happen and I'm really enjoying that and I I love the support I get there and um, my patrons especially have been amazing uh, this this month. But um, awesome people. They are incredible people. But, um... It, it'll, it'll be good to get back to my roots. It's really brought back how much I really like doing the fine detail stuff. Well, um, I'm particularly keen to see you get really stuck into your Fury um, series. Fury? Um, what, what was the name you settled on for it? Yeah. <laughs> now you've put the wrong name in my head. I can't <laughs> uh, the Primal Line. Primal, that's it. Yes, the primal the prim- line. The primal well, line. After seeing a couple of the early ones, I'm really keen to see you get stuck into that. Yeah, so that's that's part of the plan. I also, um, because I'm going to go for Journeyman next year, um, I'm dedicated to doing that. Like, it might not happen. Finances might go astray. Health might go bad. Whatever. But if I aim for it, then at least I have the goal in mind. Mm-hmm. With that goal in mind, I need to make five test knives to go to the panel of judges before that time and they all have to be of journey and smith quality so um that will be part of my journey this year yeah 
um, and then I have to make a couple of practical test knives um, to test out myself, and then one to test with a master smith. I hear you can make them pretty good out of leaf spring quenched <laughs> in hydraulic oil. Shh. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so um, yeah, that's that's been my week. How about yours, Alex? What have you been up to? I've been dealing with the last pangs of summer down here. It's um, it, everything got cooler again finally. Summer here is quite short. Um, but it's just ramped back up again. Today was 36.2. Mm. I know, 30, 36.6, um, which in when you're living in Tasmania where the humidity is about 20%, uh, you stand in the sun and it feels like about 45. Yeah, it um, bakes you. It's, it's sort of like, what's that, over 100 degrees in <laughs> Fahrenheit? I don't know. Freedom units. But um, learn to use Celsius, guys. Come on. Um but tomorrow is going to be even hotter. I mean, it's, it's um, at 7 o'clock at night, it was still over 30 degrees. And mm. um, it's been rough. So that was fun uh, and will continue to be fun. Um, but today I actually did a lot of filming. I'm working on a new collaboration video with one of my biggest influences uh, and actually a past guest of the show. Mm. And it's probably the funniest video that I've ever made. Um <laughs> But yeah. very practical. I'm, I'm really looking forward to actually getting it out there. But I've, I've got to get his footage to uh, before I can release it, and then he's got to do his video because uh, it's a partnered video, and uh, it's hilarious. And I had a lot of fun making it. Um, I haven't so heard that, about this one. That's interesting. Oh, uh, you have heard about it. You just didn't know that it was a comedy piece. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. It was one that it's the the video is ridiculous. Um, it's it's not taking itself seriously to begin with, so I thought I, I may as well just commit to it and go full funny. Because um, <laughs> sounds like fun. Yeah, I, I, only those who know me quite well would know. As I, it seems so kind of hard pan, but I, I actually I have a very deep sense of humor, and um, I love having a laugh and a joke, especially self-deprecating humor. And <laughs> um, doing the video has been it was a real hoot. It took most of the day to do the filming for it, and given how hot it was it was oh, it was awful but you know because it was so funny i still had fun with it um but i'm able to do this sort of thing because the period between christmas and school going back is is always the nightmare month when you are a uh, sort of self-employed person trying to sell your wares nobody wants to spend money in that oh, time yeah absolutely it's terrible it's just bone dry in the when you go on fishing for for clients uh, during that month, and it does tend to extend into February as well, uh, just because you know people are going back to work, kids are going back to school, and all that sort of thing. And there's no real holidays coming up or anything, so I'm trying to make use of that slow season to build up stock. And I've gone back to a lot of my roots with jeweler work, mm-hmm. um, and I've been making a lot of necklaces and hairpins and um, experimenting with deep set or slow set resins for um making some interesting things out of uh otherwise unusable pieces of wood um and it that's something i've wanted to do for a long time but just haven't had the time to do it and um it's so far looking awesome and i really can't wait to start sharing the results of that uh the only problem with slow set resin is that it takes about a week to set (laughs) Yeah, just a little while. 
And the, the worst torture about it is that after about 24 hours, you can touch it and it feels perfectly hard. And you keep thinking to yourself, I've got to start work on this. I, I, want, to, I want to play with this. And you can't. You've got to wait for a week. Yep. And it's uh, nightmarish. But awesome stuff. And I'm very keen to actually have a, a play with that. I've also um, started batching up a new set of uh, budget file guides because I actually put out a few of my own file guides um, that are aimed at the, the, the budget crowd and uh, they sold out right away so I'm, I'm making up some more um, yeah I'm, I'm keen to see how those go uh, you know they look they, they look rudimentary but they look like they do the job they actually work really really well and uh, I've actually improved the design since then so the new batch is, is the new improved design I'm trying to get less play in them and um, a bit more precision in mind so um other than that, I've, um, one thing I've been doing is failing repeatedly at Damascus, which uh, is, a, is a hobby of mine. Um, it's a hobby of all of mine. <laughs> it's because, I, I mean, I do it old school, which is my own fault. Uh, doing it old school is not something that one should do unless one's mind is utterly on the job uh, because yeah. tiny mistakes have a tendency to snowball. And um, I don't have a forge press. I don't have, uh, I don't use electric blowers. It, it, it basically, I'm making it as difficult for myself as possible. And it's the sort of thing that's still perfectly possible to do with my setup. Perfectly possible. But you have to be totally in the zone. You have to have no other distractions. And I have been a ball of distractions lately. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I really need to just uh, step back from it all and, and uh, put aside a day where I just, I'm not thinking about anything else. Um, try and have a bit more success with it. So... Um, yeah, I'll get there. I'm I'm doing everything sort of right, but just not focusing as much as I should do. But uh, I should probably actually, um, since Sam forgot to do his song of the week, um, do my song of the week. And it's actually um, an Australian singer-songwriter called Nick Murphy, who people might actually recognize by the name Chet Faker. Uh, he oh, yeah. Uh, performed under that name for a long time he became famous for a cover of no diggity from um black street i, I do remember hearing that yeah yeah and it, it, that went viral um but he actually he would never expected to be popular mm. and he found that he actually had massive anxiety issues um, with the whole world looking at him and um He's tried his best for, he's, he's quite reclusive, but he's tried his best to channel that anxiety and, and fear and all that sort of thing into his music. And it came out with a song a while back, which is my song of the week. And it's called Gold. Mm. And it's, oh, I've just had, it's, you know how sometimes you get a song that's just so awesome, you just listen to it on a loop <laughs> and you have to like yeah. force yourself to stop listening to it. It's so good. And I, um, it, I, I'm a huge music video nerd because I actually used to direct them um, as part of my job. And um, there's there's an art to doing music videos right. And I think that his music video for Gold is one of the best music videos ever directed. It's just incredible to watch. And um, like it seems very simple on the surface, but then the more you think about how they orchestrated the entire thing to time up perfectly with the length of the song and, and all of that, it's one take, one cut, uh, the whole wow. thing. And it's just amazing. The, the choreography and the timing and the expertise to pull that off uh, would have been incredible. And to tie that together with such a beautiful song is really quite incredible. 
Awesome. I'll have to I'll have to check that out. I do remember his uh, cover of Nerdigity, and I think I saw a couple of like videos. I saw like a uh, documentary of sorts on him on YouTube recently. Yeah, well, they some for some reason um, somebody chose his cover of No Diggity as um, the backing music for a Super Bowl ad, and <laughs> that's right. sort of guaranteed to make you go insanely popular all at once. And it's mm. a very haunting cover of no, no Diggity, and you don't really think of haunting as being a word to describe No Diggity. Yeah, it's true. It is. Um, it is a very interesting take on on uh, on the rap classic. Yeah, so, but I do like the way he work it. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, um, how about you, Sam? What's your song of the week? Um, so my song of the week, actually, funnily enough, it's almost in the same vein. Um, I have gone. I, I decided to go on a little bit of a, a journey down memory lane um, to my YouTube past when I just left high school, or just like in my last couple of years of high school, was getting deeply into watching a lot of YouTube videos, and one of my favorite things to watch was uh, like indie uh, indie singers. The um, hamster dance, yeah, <laughs> not quite that bad. <laughs> there were a lot of there were a lot of like upcoming YouTube uh, singer songwriters and stuff that were making some really awesome stuff. Sam Hart, Julian Nunes, um, Keena Granis, that kind of stuff. And some of them are still going really well. Some of them have stopped um, completely. But um, one guy had uh, he was kind of a one hit wonder. as Eric Hutchinson wrote rock and roll. Oh, that name rings a bell. Yeah, the the song was everywhere for ages, and it got overplayed on the radio and all that kind of stuff. Um, but he he had a, he has a very like kind of bluesy, um, bluesy background, and um, so I was looking him up, and I, I listened to rock and roll, and I listened to a couple of his other songs, and I came across a, a song that he put out like four years ago or something like that uh, called "Dear Me," and. Um, yeah, it was a really good song, and I really liked the message. I liked the tune itself, but I also really liked the message and the words, and the music video was kind of cool as well. It had a lot of his fans and fellow uh, fellow musicians and stuff in it, so it really struck home for me at the time. So, um, yeah, DME right. by Eric, Eric Hutchinson. And um, people who people have actually been uh, writing in and saying how much they've enjoyed this segment of hearing the sorts of things that we listen to while we work. And uh, in case you have missed it, um, on my YouTube channel, Valhalla Ironworks, I've actually created a playlist where I have been adding each of the songs that Sam and I and our guests um, say that they have had as their song of the week. So you can sort of listen to the Forgecast playlist. I am probably going to do something up on Spotify as well mm. i just i'm not familiar with spotify i'm an old man uh, <laughs> we both are so uh i, I, don't, I don't know <coughs> these things but um yeah well uh, if you if you are keen on hearing more of what we've been listening to then definitely check that out he's just trying to get more subscribers <laughs> <laughs> lord knows i need him <laughs> i don't know so um do you want to do inspiration of the week first, or do you want to do our email? We have a listener email. Um, let's do the inspirations. Who's your inspiration this week? Mine is actually yet another knife maker to <laughs> just add to the amount of knife makers that I've been getting inspiration from. <laughs> um, but he's somebody that I, um, I can't remember who it was. Somebody that I followed um, actually gave him a shout out. And his uh, name is John Sorensen. Uh, goes by the name Johnny Rotten, and on Instagram you can find him in uh, Rotten Dot Design. Um, right. He takes hollow grinds to the next level. <laughs> he does these sort of um, 
they're usually smaller knives, skinners and, and hunters and things like that. However, they have incredibly thick spines, which he usually decorates with spine work. Um, and I'm talking like 8 mil thick. Um, and then puts these really aggressive hollow grinds on them, like deep, deep hollow grinds. So you get these really nice sort of thin edges, um, which he'll then sometimes put a micro bevel on. But... Um, it's an interesting way to bring a thick spine down to a much more practical edge for the size of knife. But it creates this really cool effect, especially when that um, hollow grind is cutting deeply into a mosaic Damascus pattern or something like that. Um, and you get some really stark contrast. But the, the, the thing about it most is that the way it catches the light. And Sam's actually mentioned this on um, past uh, inspirations where different parts of a knife can be polished in different ways to have more visual appeal as it catches the light and uh, Johnny Rotten has a tendency to be able to capture that with the aggressiveness of his hollow grinds he also does other types of knives as well and they're, they're just as good um, but yeah it was just it's a different take on the design of a knife which was um, I've talked about before of, of trying to find your look when you're making things and um i like his look it's cool it stands out it's it's different so definitely give him a follow on instagram next time you're on there for sure how about you sam um so my inspiration is someone that we make mention of every other day uh <laughs> in our normal conversations and on the show uh and i don't think he's ever made a knife don't quote me on that but i don't mm. think he's ever made a knife um Shock horror, the knife maker inspired by someone who doesn't make knives. Um, no, my inspiration this week has been integral in the builds that I have done for the Perth Knife Show. I have used literally every technique that this person uses in their videos. Almost every technique. Not quite every technique. To make what I made for the show. Uh, my inspiration is, of course, our Lord and Saviour, Clickspring. All <laughs> um, <laughs> <Full> hail! <laughs> Blessed be his name. We're not worthy to mention him <laughs> on our podcast. Um, yeah, no, he is a fantastic uh, creator, YouTuber, um, uh, clockmaker, craftsman. He's Just... the king of YouTube makers. Oh, man. Clickspring is the youtube maker <laughs> that's yeah. it um and the maker by which all other makers compare themselves <laughs> that's it him and him and this old tony um <laughs> you know those two guys when they did that um crossover episode uh, together have amazing. you ever seen them in the same place at the same time uh, well they did a video together but neither of them have been seen on screen although i did see tony's hands mm. uh <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, uh, took a lot of inspiration from him on my recent builds, uh, for the show. Now, the Japanese Fusion Bui, uh, took some inspiration from Clickspring in the bluing that I did on the guard. Uh, the fullet guard, I heat blued it very much in line with what he does to his metal fittings. Uh, Mira polished it and heat blued it to make a uh, really cool looking guard that's very unique and I love that blue color and mm. I def I desperately want to do more of it. It just looks so good. 
It's um, not often that when I call something jaw dropping, I'm being literal. <laughs> um, my my jaw actually did hang open when you I saw the video of that. Yeah, it was, I, I I do love that technique and. Um... Yeah, I I also on the uh, the big Muso Bowie build, the frame the frame handle build, I use a lot of his filing techniques. He did a video on how to hand file, um, and I used a lot of those techniques. I used a few of his finishing techniques um, to finish the frame out, finish the the handle machine and stuff like that. Um, I did a lot of filing on that job because I I basically because my angle grinder um, crapped out on me. I had to do all of the cutting by hand and then I had to shape it using files because I didn't have any kind of mechanized grinder that could get inside those little hollows. And so having clickspring with words in my ear about, you know, the techniques that I needed to use was amazingly helpful. Uh, and on top of that, I used, um, I made my own drill bit uh, using the spot drill, the spade drill technique that clickspring uses to um, ream out the holes for the pins to make sure that I got perfect pin lineup in the frame. Hmm. Um, if anyone watches the live stream where I actually put the the uh, the frame handle together on the buoy and glue it all up, you can actually hear the the frame kind of creak and then click into place because the fit is so tight. And I got that because I actually made a reamer, uh, his his tri point reamer, you know, design. I used that design to um, make a reamer out of the stainless steel pin stock that I was using. Um, it's just he, he, he has been integral in, in making my life a million times easier. <laughs> Can you imagine and, if he did make a knife? I wouldn't I think I would quit knife making the next day. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's bad enough watching Kyle. He makes me want to quit knife making. <laughs> Uh, I was, yeah, no, uh, Clickspring, Clickspring is always a, con a constant inspiration for me. I watch his videos on repeat, partly because they're, like, the best kind of ASMR. Yeah. Um, his voice is, it's, it's somehow, at the same time, soporific and exhilarating. You know what I mean? And like, it keeps me engaged, but it also makes me relaxed. He is also a fellow Australian, and Australian uh, accents are not known for their calm, dulcet gentleness. No, that's um, it. And yet he stands apart. And I can't help but smile every time I say, uh, when he says, see you later, at the end of his yeah. videos. I can't help but smile. But yeah, no, his, his videos are incredible. And even though I never have plans to make a clock, <laughs> his videos have been absolutely indispensable. Like, they are amazing. Uh, Fun for... fact about me: I have thought about making a clock. Oh, there you go. I, well, I do. Cons I do want to do it one day. If you ever make a clock, I know we're going to get a lot of your inspiration <laughs> from. But no, honestly, um, I have been inspired for Black Clockswing for a long time, and I actually became one of his patrons recently, purely so I could get access to his uh, patron series. He's got 127 videos that you can only view as a patron. Wow! Uh, so I've got a lot more Clickspring to watch, which makes me very happy. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so he, his techniques, uh, even if you have no interest in clock making, no interest in machining, he does only like machining, doesn't forge a lot of stuff, although he does do a, a little bit of, uh, smelting. Um, the, the techniques that he uses are invaluable. They're just, mm. they're so useful, especially if you're going to do fine fit ups and mirror polishes and that kind of stuff, which I tend to 
uh, you know, do that and kind of stuff. Very well explained through de clear depiction. Absolutely, and he has a masterful control over camera operation, lighting, and macro shots. Like, his, yes. his macro shots are so clean... Um, and it's so easy to, to watch what he's doing. And it's sometimes really hard to re remember that the stuff he's working on is the si like size of half a fingernail. Mm. You know what I mean? Like some of the screws that he's making in the videos and stuff are minuscule. And yet because his macros are so sharp, so clean and so zoomed in, it looks like he's working on something that's the size of, you know, a car tire. Yeah. So yeah, no, he, he makes everything look stupidly easy and... Uh, yeah, I, I've been waiting a while to name him as one of my inspirations of the week, and I was terrified that you were going to get there first. Um, and on the uh, on the off chance, the rare off chance that he realizes that he's tagged in our episode <laughs> and listens to what you just said, we'd love to have you on the show, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, we really if you would. ever hear this, please, we will do anything. Yep. Come on the show. We'd, we'd love to pick your brain for an hour. Absolutely, it would be an honor. But uh, with that being said, enough gushing about ClickSpring. Um, <laughs> oh, there'll, there'll be more in future episodes, uh, don't worry about it. There'll always be ClickSpring love on this channel. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is a ClickSpring love place. Um, but with that being said, <laughs> let's get on to our viewer or listener question of the week. Yeah, Alex, Alex hinted at this one before the show, and he refused to tell me before the show because he wanted my legitimate reaction. Yeah, this one actually came in from one of the listeners via Instagram, and um, it just completely, it not only took me by surprise because I have no idea what the answer is, it got, really got me thinking, and so I have not told Sam, I've refused to tell Sam what the question is beforehand. So that you hear his genuine uh, answer. I, it may be a really simple answer, but it's a really interesting question. Uh, so it says, hi, Forgecast team. A while back, a listener asked about crumbling files, which led to a discussion about grain growth in W2 steel when held at high temperatures. But you've also mentioned that W2 from old files is good to use in scrap steel Damascus billets, and that requires soaking at high temperatures to achieve forge weld. Just wondering why, then, is W2 good to use for scrap Damascus, as one fact seems to contradict the other? Love the show. Jeff from Boulder, Colorado. Thank you, Jeff from Boulder, Colorado. That was a very good question. And actually, that is something that I did think about uh, addressing during that episode, but didn't uh, for reasons unknown to me at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to go back and listen to it whether you know as to what happened in that episode. Um, but given that Alex has already given the lead in and apparently I'm supposed to take this question and answer it. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause I, I don't even know where to start because I heard that and I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it does happen in Damascus. Um, that's the first thing. That's the first part of the answer is that in scrap Damascus, if you soak that Damascus for too long welding temperatures, that W2 will crumble. And uh, anyone who's made scrap Damascus with files uh, will know that the edges of a billet can crumble um, as you're forging. You'll get like lots of crackly, crumbly bits mm. at the edges. That's mm. the file steel crumbling. Um, the main reason that the center doesn't crumble is because the center is not getting to those super high temperatures for that long. Uh, you've got to remember that the billet soaks in heat from the outside in. Mm -hmm. uh, and so therefore in Damascus, most of the time... 
unless you're leaving the billet to soak for hours, <laughs> you're not going to be having the center sit at that high heat for a long period of time. The other thing is you've got to remember that the, uh, the cladding on Damascus. So, you know, in the event that you're making Damascus, say, out of file steel and bandsaw blade, the bandsaw blade doesn't have the same issue. And so, therefore, it will remain relatively elastic around the W2. And once you squish those together, that 52, that, that 15 and 20, or, you know, the, the equivalent that the bandsaw might be made of, uh, will support the structure of the W2. Um, so the edges will crumble, but the center will stay relatively solid, much like uh, if you made a bow out of hickory, where you had cross-grain cuts on the, on the back, and tried to shoot that bow, it would just break. Whereas if you then backed that same bow with uh, some, like, sinew, then the bow would bend and, and fire. So, yeah, the Damascus, uh, the, the properties of the 15 and 20, or the band steel, or whatever you're using are going to support the structure of the W2 inside the billet. But, that being said, again, W2 will crumble in Damascus if you leave it to soak for long enough. Um, so yeah, the, the big thing is that most of the time when you're having steel crumble like that, it's because it's a small cross-section, and you're leaving it to soak at super high temperatures close to burning for a long period of time. Cool. So yeah, that's the answer. Interesting question, interesting answer. There you go. Alright, well thanks for that, Jeff. And we should, I uh, suppose, move on to tool time. Tool time! So, tool time this week is something that uh, Sam has been frantically using for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> frantically. Um, and making, been, making smoke with them. <laughs> And, uh, and I've been using uh, very reluctantly um, in mm -hmm. a couple of recent projects. And that is needle files. Yay! We've done, we've done files before, but needle files are a whole different kettle of fish. Well, they are files, but yes, they are an entirely different Well, thing. one thing that set, uh, can set them apart is you can get needle files, which are sort of the, the normal toothed file, but you can also get diamond needle files which yes. are actually coated with a diamond abrasive um which operate in a different sort of way but achieve the same sort of thing uh third offer both types um and you know they rather than just sticking with one so some people prefer one type some people prefer the other they do leave different finishes I, I hate diamond files just gonna say well why why is it let's tell the listeners <laughs> well okay so it, it's hard to explain, but basically with diamond needle files, the majority of the time, the material removal is going to be slower, um, even in the, high, in the in the lower grits of diamond file. Uh, and also the finishes will be much more uneven, and the diamond breaks down over time. Um, you don't want to lose your diamonds. Well, no. Well, the, the thing is that diamonds break down unevenly, especially if you're giving uneven pressure. And that means that it'll wear down parts of the file faster, and therefore it'll cut faster on one side than the other. Would you say there's a benefit for using diamond files on non-ferrous metals? Um, no. Because it leaves a clean. Would it leave a cleaner finish, perhaps? Uh, I haven't found that, to be honest. Uh, and good... why are diamond files made? Do you think hardened materials? Right. Uh, if you're wanting to file a choil in on a hardened blade. Uh, like a, a Spanish notch or a, or a sharpening notch, as they're known. 
then you're not going to do that with a standard file. You probably could, but if it's been hardened, then you're going to have a really bad time and you're probably going to ruin your needle file doing it. Mm. Whereas a diamond needle file has no problem. Uh, hardened pins, hardened, you know, anything hardened is going to be good. Uh, they're commonly used by gun makers um, because a lot of gun parts are hardened. Yes. Um, they're normally 4140 or similar uh, kind of alloys and they're normally hardened to about 45, 46 Rockwell, which a normal needle file will cut, but it won't cut very effectively and also will dull pretty quickly. So a diamond file in that case is much more advantageous because it's wearing down much faster, or wearing down the material much faster. Right. Um, when it comes to non-ferrous metals like brass and bronze and copper and stuff like that, I would always suggest uh, standard needle files. Hmm. Um, yeah. One of the most common applications uh, for um, knife makers with needle files is cutting the slot in a guard um, oftentimes the standard practice is to just drill a series of holes and then widen those up, connect them together and widen them up meticulously and painfully using needle files. Yeah, I didn't um, know that. <laughs> yeah, needle files and carbide burrs. Yeah, so um, there are a few knife makers out there who just go straight to the carbide burr and they just use the carbide burr to open up the, the notch and that's the way they do it, which is fine. But the problem is if you want to get a nice, tight, seamless fit, which is what I normally go for, the carbide burr is not going to get you there uh, because you it's too easy to remove too much material. So what I normally do is go drill a series of holes, use the carbide burr to widen them out, and then use the files to get to my final dimension. Mm -hmm. um, makes it a lot faster than going straight to the files. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the other advantage of needle files is they come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. All um, kinds. Even oh, a yeah. basic set has a, a, a very wide variety. Well, yeah, I, I um, recently was overjoyed, and I, I can't explain how much how happy it made me, because files are kind of one of my most uh, my favorite tools. Uh, if there's ever a questionnaire about Sam Towns and, and they ask you what's his favorite tool, files is probably going to be the answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I found a box, uh, box set of needle files from Bunnings, which is our local hardware store, for $14.00 from Trojan. And now Trojan is like the off-brand Harbor Freight style kind of crap that you normally get. And I was very wary about them because $14 for 10 files seems like way too good a deal. You could but have just asked me, mate. When I got them home, I was very pleasantly surprised with how effective they were. Um, I was very happy with my, with my purchase. And so I'm going to go purchase three more boxes <laughs> <laughs> so that I have them when Bunnings inevitably stops selling them. Yes, which will be right when you don't want them to. Exactly, yeah. I mean, they're going to wear out a lot faster. They're probably not made of as good a material. They're not machinist flat, which is the big I've actually thing. Been, I've actually been fairly um, pleasantly surprised with mine. I've been using them now for about four months. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I was using them on 1084, and I was using them on brass. I was using them on copper. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've used them on a number of different materials, and they've done admirably... Um, the only issue I would say is that from a machinist's point of view, if you're looking at like a machinist style needle file, they're not flat. Mm. <laughs> like you don't want to look down the length of them because you'll be disappointed. Yeah. Uh, but they work really well for the price they are. And for a knife maker, they are perfect. Um, mm. 
now irre- irreplaceable really because this is it's especially when filing out the guard of a tang um with the level of precision that uh you know you need for the high-end stuff there's really nothing that can replace them well no that's it and i mean at the end of the day files is something that you know humans have used for millennia uh when it comes to metal removal um and needle files in specific when you're talking about such a small piece of uh, material are yeah it's just completely indispensable um the you can get the like the okay so the 14 dollar for 10 trojans that i bought from bunnings are probably the lowest end <laughs> of the needle file world yep and you know like other things you can get diamonds in the rough but the majority of the time you're going to get what you pay for um i'm not expecting these to win any awards <laughs> for knife for for uh, for filing I don't know, the uh, the square one in that set, the square profile, should win yeah. the award for getting me out of jams. Um, <laughs> the, the getting Alex out of tight jams award uh, yeah. for, for tools. Oh, the round one for me did a lot of work because I coined the spaces yes. on my Musa buoy. <laughs> and I, the coining is, ba- coining is basically just doing shoulder-to-shoulder fullers along the edge of your work. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very small. <laughs> and I cut all of those in by hand with a needle yeah. file. Uh, <laughs> because I'm that kind of guy. Um, but yeah, uh, you can get the higher end stuff. Like, third, obviously, as Alex said, stock them. And we are a big fan of third on this channel. Huge although fans. I, although I don't own a set yet, I will one day. Oh man, it's it's life changing. Um, if I had furred needle files, you'd never hear from me. I'd be too busy <laughs> using them all the time. Yeah, I I, I like furred files. I've used them. I just don't have a set of my own, mm. um, which which makes me very sad. Um, but one day, and then you've obviously got the super high end, which is Grobe or Valorb. And uh, the last time I checked out a set of ten Valorb files, it was one hundred and sixty two dollars Australian. So bargain, yeah. So literally over ten times the price <laughs> of of the Trojans that I just, <laughs> that I bought. For each Valorbe needle file, you can buy a set of ten Trojans. <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, and and that's where it comes down to me, where it's like, can you justify buying, you know, the, those files? When you can buy 10 sets of 10 <laughs> for the same price, mm-hmm. uh, will those 10 sets of 10 uh, not last as long as the single set of needle files you get from Grobe? Um, I somewhat doubt it. Because mm. files do wear down. Doesn't matter how good quality they are. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, I would, I would say that 10 Grobe files probably wouldn't outlast 10... Uh, tr- 10 sets of Trojans. But yeah, you'd probably need to go through the entire 10 sets. That being said, the Grobe's will be perfectly flat. The tooth cut will be perfectly even. That's one of the big things about the cheap files is that they tend to be... Like, the cuts tend to be uneven. They'll be deeper on one side than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess some of them, the cuts are, don't even cut. Like, <laughs> you take the file out and it's got the marks in it. It looks like a file. And then you go to cut something and it just kind of runs over the top. Um, that's disappointing when that happens. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so the cheaper files, a lot of the time, you, depth of cut is going to be bad, and your um, your evenness of cut is going to be bad. And not only that, but the flatness is a big problem. If you're doing machine fits, if you're trying to do like really tight fits and tight tolerances, like ClickSpring does, you can't afford to have wobbly files. You could just you know make files like ClickSpring. Well, <laughs> yeah, you could do that too. Uh, that way, you can control your own quality. Yeah. Um, the other thing is edges. Uh, the the uh, corners on cheap files tend to be relatively inconsistent. Um, you can you do get lucky, and you'll get a set that has a, a file or one or two files within the ten that have really good edges. Um, but it's few and far between. Whereas at least with a high priced set, you're going to get perfect edges every time. So yeah, there, there are advantages to buying the high-quality, high-priced stuff, but if you're in the market to start making hidden tang knives, or even frame tang knives, frame handle knives, um, yep. or knives in general, having needle files is really good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, the, it's one of those uh, must-have tools when you want to step your game up to the next level. That's it. And, and when you want to start doing file work, like Alex has been doing a lot of on the spines of his knives... Um, they're indispensable. You can't get away without them. You could try doing a lot of that kind of stuff with a carbide burr and a Dremel, but again, you're coming into those control issues. It's really easy for a Dremel to skip or grab the work and run away from you, and then you end up with a nice deep gouge along your work. There's also things like uh, vine work um, or, or ivy-style file work actually has uh, half-moon cuts, which can't be done with carbide burn. Can't be done with any rotating tool. Yeah, exactly. So there are definite advantages to um, to owning a set of good needle files. And uh, as I've always and learning said... To, and learning to drive the set properly. Yes, and for that, you can go to ClickSpring's channel. Yes. Uh, he's got a, a video called Old School Filing Tips, and it is the uh, the Bible for how to file. <laughs> Although, if you understand the value of a Grobe file, you may cry, because he puts a safe edge on all of his files. Mm. Which means that the first thing he does when he pulls a brand new $100 Grobe file out of its package is take it to his... One by thirty, and remove the teeth off a side, <laughs> which makes me very sad. I understand yeah, but why then he, he does, does it. Beautiful things with it. I, I understand why he does it, but like the fact that I can't even afford one of those files, <laughs> and here yeah. he is grinding away on them. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, I'm not salty at all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so needle files, definitely get a set. And if you get one set, get two. And if you get two sets, get ten. Because apparently that costs the same as a single set of Valorb. Yeah, maybe don't get ten. Maybe mm. use that money to buy a set, <laughs> set of Valorb files. Yeah. yeah. Well, and send them to me. Yeah, that's right. I would be very appreciative. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have my undying appreciation. That's right. <laughs> And Alex's, you know... On Sam's highest Patreon tier, uh, you get to send him a uh, set of Velobe files. <laughs> Don't say that. Jared will listen to this channel and do it. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, 
Anyway, yes, with that being said, I think we should move on to the topic of the week. Yes, the top we've, topic of the week. Yeah, we've kind of brushed on it in our what have we done this week. But and it's I'll... actually one we've wanted to have as a topic since the show started, pretty much. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's it's a never long been, one. It's never been more appropriate than now, I think. Yeah, and, you know... Coming into the 52-minute mark of the show seems an appropriate time to start talking about such a deep and meaningful topic. <laughs> we really do ramble. This we is, do. This is going to be Adam, our first... you'll be happy, Adam. It's going to be a long one. Well, this is probably, probably going to be our first two-hour episode at this stage. Buckle up! <laughs> so, one of the reasons that we've avoided this subject is, uh, A, because uh, I, well, I personally never felt it was the right time for me to talk about it. And B, because for a while there, I think we were avoiding a lot of the deeper subjects surrounding this because we wanted to, we don't want this to be the deep and meaningful show. No. While we value uh, talking about subjects like this, we don't want to be the sole proprietor of everything dark and depressing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, forging, forging is a positive influence on our lives and we hope it's a positive influence on yours. And we want that, uh, we want this show to be the same for you guys. But sometimes there is stuff that we need to deal with that isn't so great. Yeah. And one commonality that, eh, well, not necessarily a commonality, but something that comes up a lot when you talk to people who are in any field of blacksmithing or bladesmithing is it's, it's, it's so common that the blacksmithing or bladesmithing in question was discovered by the person and is continued to be done by the person as an escape, as a means of quieting the dark voices that uh, can leak into the minds of many people and, and lead them to troubled thoughts and troubled lives. And let's face it, being able to heat up steel and forge it to shape with hammers is a very empowering thing to be able to do, to be able to take something that is worthless and meaningless and turn it into something that is priceless and meaningful is an empowering act. And some people are trapped feeling very powerless a lot in their lives, whether it's through depression or anxiety or any other mental condition that uh, can immobilize them and uh, impede their days to be able to feel that empowerment is is it's an incredibly uh, powerful gift that you can give yourself and it's, it's strange to find that blacksmithing and bladesmithing in particular seems to attract so many people as I mean I'm sure there are other empowering uh, crafts out there but it's uh, it's been a commonality that i've seen after uh, involving myself with so much of the community through my youtube channel through the podcast through social media uh, and it's something that sam and i finally decided that it's time to discuss mm. yeah and and both of us have covered this topic on on our youtube channels separately um uh, Alex covered more of the physical aspects of of dealing with um, physical diseases as well as the mental issues with that, whereas I covered my own uh, journey through mental health uh, issues. And I've spoken about it, you know, a little bit on the show before, but never in depth. And 
one of the big things that came out of my video, I know for a fact, was a lot of people commented that they'd had exactly the same experiences. And as Alex said, the prevalence of those stories in our communities is somewhat shocking. Uh, it, it's, it's not surprising. <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> that's part of why I uh, do what I do. But um, there's so many people out there who, who do use our craft as a way to to wrest back some control over their situation. Um, and, and in some ways it's the only way that we can express ourselves. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a really good way for a creative, it's a really good creative outlet for some people who don't have, uh, that outlet in other means. Um, especially I've found with veterans and, uh, you know, I myself, uh, suffering with a form of PTSD, uh, from my, you know, career as a security officer, um, find it hard to express emotions in public, uh, like other people do. And so therefore having a way to express what I'm feeling in the craft and express what I'm feeling in the, my, my, uh, creativity is it's a way is, to uh, sort of express your identity. Yeah, that's it. It's it's a way to, to you know kind of solidify my existence in, as in the moment, <laughs> uh, if you will. And yeah, I mean, uh, I've spoken at length about my anxiety and uh, the panic disorder that I developed two years ago, which led me to starting my YouTube channel and led me to starting become a bladesmith full time. Um, and yeah, this, this month, the reason that I thought that this uh, episode would be a perfect time to have this conversation is because, uh, this, especially this week, I uh, have been severely struggling with uh, the anxiety and uh, something that I was talking about on a live stream recently, imposter syndrome, um, <clears throat> which for those of you who don't know what imposter syndrome is, it is the sensation that you pr are pretending to know something that you know nothing about. Um, <laughs> it's common in people who actually know a lot about something, but know how much they don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you've ever seen the, uh, knowledge to confidence, uh, chart that normally prescribes the Dunning-Kruger effect, yeah. um, where you've got consciously competent you are. Yeah. So you've got giant, you've got a giant spike in confidence with very little knowledge and then suddenly a giant slump in confidence Whereas the knowledge gets higher and then the knowledge slowly crawls back up and the confidence no slowly nothing crawls more, back up. Nothing puts you in your place quite like realize, uh, learning so much about something that you now know how little you know. <laughs> Precisely. And I mean, that's, that's kind of the journey that I've been on. Um, I decided to tackle a very, very difficult build, something that I'd never done before. Um, something that I'd only ever seen in videos and never seen one up close. And, um, I decided to do it on a time limit because I'm a Why masochist, not? apparently. And I decided to make it something that I was going to put in front of people to get judged. Mm. <laughs> like, if I couldn't make it any harder on myself. <laughs> and so when I finished the Muso Bui, the, the frame handle and... It came out. I hated it. I, you know, even though it's, I've put, you know, a hundred percent effort into it. I absolutely hated it. And 
every fiber of my body just wanted to throw it across the room and never look at it again and never take it to the show, never show anyone because it was just horrible and it was awful and I'm a useless bladesmith and I never want to pick up a knife again. I never want to make a knife again. And, you know, like, I, I suddenly had that kind of wave of, I'm not good enough to be doing this. I know so many bladesmiths that are way better than I am and, you know, they're doing amazing stuff and who am I to be talking about this kind of stuff? Who am I to be running a channel teaching people about this kind of crap? I know nothing! <laughs> And so, you know, like, I, I had those those moments uh, this week where I was just legitimately in a place where I thought, this is it, this is, I'm done, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here, I, I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, and actually, I actually contacted Alex, because uh, something that I've always told the people is if you get yourself in that place where you think there is no way out, there is a way, you just need someone else to see it for you. Uh, and I'm lucky that I have some very, very good friends that, uh, reached out to me and, um, you know, I reached out to as well that, uh, helped, helped point out the exit. <laughs> but, um, yeah, dealing with mental health I, is something. I, I said to him, get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It was just crack the whip. Get back to it. You don't have time to be bitching. Um, but you know, like the, the, the big thing is, is that at the end of the day, we're all on a journey and the... It's not about getting to the destination. So, you know, when I say we're all on a journey, as talking about knife making from my perspective, I never intend to make the perfect knife. Like, I never expect to make the perfect knife. I don't think there is such a thing. But I will always intend to make a better knife than the last one I made. And so, therefore, the rest of my life will be spent making a better knife every time I make one. Hmm. my dad always used to tell me a wise man strives for perfection but only a fool expects to achieve it and uh, some, that's something that I've really tried to, to keep in mind while I've been on this journey <laughs> because I get to the end of some builds and I expect it to come out exactly as I imagined it and when it doesn't I'm deeply disappointed and that disappointment leads to despair and that despair leads to depression and you know it all just goes downhill from there on that same note, I recently uh, shared a quote, a favorite quote of mine with Sam, which uh, I find helps quite a lot often, is uh, from Aristotle saying that excellence, uh, oh no, he said, he said uh, you are what you repeatedly do, and because of that, excellence should therefore be a habit and not an act. Yes. Exactly and, right. Uh, I, I try and stick to that, but I mean, the. As Sam and I are speaking both as people who have been diagnosed with depression and fight it and uh, and then have to deal with it. And at the, one of the things that you often get uh, thrown at you is people not knowing what it is and what it does to you. And they you hear, like, you know, what have you got to be sad about? As if it's just, you're really sad. <laughs> yeah, um, or, or just harden up and get over it, you know. Yeah, I mean, what they, what they don't know is that it's... It's almost like all sense of motivation or ability to just act and do anything drops from you. It's almost yeah. like the, the tank just suddenly, you, you check it and it's, it's empty. And the tank's gone. Somebody's nicked the tank. And they've yeah. you know, left an IOU in its place. And all of a sudden, <laughs> you just, you're sitting there staring and you can't 
just you can't do anything you can't think you can't feel you can't bring yourself to to push forward and it can hit you for no reason whatsoever but it hits you most often when you hit a failure yeah and it can sometimes take everything that you've got every ounce of strength that you have to force yourself to move each limb to pick yourself up and try again and if you fail again it just gets exponentially harder and exponentially harder and some of the bravest strongest people are the ones that just keep going because they need to and it's it's you know it's easy to say that as if they're just you know they're sad or upset and they're just getting over it but you can't it's it's almost like running out of energy it's like running out of uh uh, you know, all of a sudden your legs and arms drop off and then saying to the person, well, keep pushing. <laughs> yeah. and it's true. It, 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 it's almost like that there's, there's, someone's just dropped a one-ton brick on you. And yeah. It's almost like um, it, it can... It, I often describe it as... Um, you know, have you, if you've ever injured yourself so badly or been so ill that the pain that you're experiencing is actually it, it stops you from being able to do anything you can't concentrate you can't move you can't do anything if you've ever injured yourself that badly um you'll know what i'm talking about it's almost like that but mental pain it's numbing yeah. and one one of the worst parts is that it doesn't have any physical symptoms like it doesn't have any outward symptoms that other people can recognize mm. um you know people with depression i mean i i have physical symptoms because of my panic disorder i have panic attacks i black out i you know hyperventilate i have random muscle twitches uh <laughs> i i have general i have serious severe uh physical uh symptoms when i'm having a panic attack so it's obvious to people when they happen that i'm going through something wrong yeah. um but what they don't see is the constant base level anxiety that i operate on <laughs> Um, the constant muscle tension, the constant, constant stress headaches, um, the constant hyperventilation, stuff like that. They don't see that kind of stuff and they don't see the mental battle going on. Um, you know, you wake up in the morning when you're having a really bad time of depression, a lot of the time you'll wake up in the morning and you'll wonder what the point is in getting out of bed mm. because everything you, you do... It's like it's you're looking look you're looking through glasses that paint everything pessimistic. Yeah, exactly. And and at the end of the day, you just think what is the point? Hmm. Why am I doing this? You know, what am I even doing? Everything I do is shit. Everything that I touch turns to crap. Why am I even why am I even here? And, and that's mean, how you end up getting into suicidal ideation and stuff like that is people get to the point where Every day, they struggle to see any kind of meaning in their any life. Any light at the end of it. Yeah. And it's the, the, I mean, the I... worst part, really, because you look at it, you're in it, and you know that it will pass, and then when it does pass, you'll look back on it, and you'll be able to see that you were wrong in the way you were thinking. But while you're in it, you can't see that external perspective. That's it. I mean, it's difficult, because because I'm I'm a chronic sufferer, which means that... At this stage, according to my psychiatrists and according to the doctors that I've seen, the way my chem brain chemistry has been altered, I will probably perpetually be like this until I die. Um, which is a terrifying concept. And it's one that I struggle with a lot is because 
this is my reality for the rest of my life. Uh, and if I don't come to terms with that, if I deny that and just go, no, that's not me, it's not going to help me. <laughs> because if you deny what is, then when it hits you, it hits you harder. Uh, you, you can only get control of this by acknowledging that you have the problem and then dealing with it. Um, one of the problems that I run into is that when I get through the hard times, my brain immediately starts worrying about the next time. Uh, and that's something that I'm currently dealing with and currently processing myself is that, you know, idea of living now <laughs> rather than then. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sort of... It lends the that that whole concept of forging on, um, that you know this this sort of topic of the week is. It lends it that sort of um, uh, a veil, really, because you you feel in those moments that you can't, or you're worried that even if you do, it'll hit again and again and again. Um, but when people, well, when when I say forging on. A lot, of the, a lot of people who deal with this sort of thing don't realize that part of forging on is the self-care necessary mm. in order to be able to forge on. Um, Sam's talked about this before of putting an oxygen mask on yourself before helping others yeah. uh, because you're, no, you're not going to be any good to the other people if you yourself are not okay. And before you can get external feedback on your work that's bothering you, before you can come up with solutions to the parts of your work that are bothering you, before you can plan out plans of attack, you yourself need to be fine. Yeah. And you're not going to be good to anybody, including yourself, unless you have looked after yourself. And it's part of forging on is that. I mean, it's forming a plan. It's forming a set of steps. And people need to see that looking after yourself in these moments is actually a function. It's not rest. It's not taking time off. It's actually, it's, you're not being lazy by doing self-care. You are actually performing a function. And that's it. And, and sometimes self-care takes different, different kind of, uh, forms. My, my self-care this week was today was spending time in the workshop with a friend, making something that I knew how to make. I had no pressure on myself to finish it fast. I knew that in the time I had in the forge, I could have made three of those Celtic blacksmith's knives. But I made a conscious decision to take my time, to not work my arm too hard, to not build up a sweat, to not crank, one, crank as many hours as I could, just to enjoy the process of forging something. Hmm. Taking that time to enjoy the fact that I am able to do what I love. Yeah. Because sometimes, especially for those of us who do this professionally, sometimes we get lost in the production. Sometimes we get lost in the in the making, and we forget that we're enjoying ourselves. Um, you know, like I get to certain stages in builds where I kind of, I start hating the process, because I just want to get this thing done, get it out of the way, so I can start the next one. Um, yeah. And so taking that time to slow down for a second and kind of go, hey, you know what, I actually really like doing this. Is, is a form of self-care. Um, you know, sometimes just making something that you would otherwise not make, or, you know, taking a day off to make something that you would normally, well, you wouldn't sell, or something that you've always wanted to make but couldn't justify. Do it anyway. 
Yeah. We only you only live once, you know. Like well, I, I I understand that that's kind of a meme at this point, but it's true. You'd only get one chance at this. Well, it's it's um, every so often I will just drop everything and create something that takes far longer than anything else that I'll work on. It's lately it's always been a knife um, <laughs> that I put ridiculous detail into because I find that it helps to prove to myself that I'm capable of creating a beautiful thing. It, yeah. it makes me feel like there is purpose. Yeah, and, and it doesn't have to be making something. Sometimes, for me, it's, you know, going fishing, you know. Sometimes yeah. it's, it's going out and, and spending an afternoon on the on the dock, wetting a line. Whether I catch anything or not doesn't matter. It's the act of doing something that I enjoy, the act of taking time out for me. Uh, away from all of my responsibilities and stuff like that. I'm not talking about shirking responsibilities. I'm not talking about, you know, prioritizing yourself over everything else in your life. But sometimes you need to take that time to do something that in, you particularly enjoy, something that relaxes you. Yeah. Um, because I like, to yeah. I like to disappear to the woods sometimes. Yeah. We all have that thing that we really like to do that we don't make time for because we find that it's, uh, we think to ourselves that it's somehow self-indulgent um, or, you know, like selfish to take that time to do it. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't stress enough that you need to take that time. <laughs> yeah. You <laughs> because... need to see that self-care as a function of getting better. And, and anyone who's had depression or anxiety and anyone, uh, even for those people who don't, they will have seen relationships that have fallen apart because people are too busy focusing on the minutiae of their relationship or the minutiae of their life and not taking the time for themselves. Mm. Um, because depression and anxiety don't just hurt you. They hurt your relationships. They hurt your creativity. They hurt everything. Mm. And so unless you take time to deal with it, unless you take time to actually address the problem it's only going to get worse. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's like any illness, really. I mean, if you had a infected toe, you wouldn't just think, oh, it'll be fine. Yeah, I'll, and, I'll until, your, it. until your foot drops off, you know. it's it, 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 People need to sort of... There, there's stigma around it, and whenever there's stigma around something, it leads to mistreatment, it leads to misdiagnosis, it leads to just... Um, misunderstanding and miscommunication, a lot of myths. Yeah, um, and it's because of that stigma, I feel like it's getting better in recent years, but still there's this lingering stigma that is so bad that people don't even want to admit it to themselves when it happens, and because of that they won't um, treat it accordingly. And it's just like the infected toe, eventually something falls off and yeah. you have a snap. And that's it. And I mean, the, the big thing is that um, the worst affected, you know, not it, it, this isn't a, a misogynistic thing or anything like that, but the worst affected are normally men. Mm. And the reason for that is because we come from a society that tells us we need to man up and we need to, you know, just brave through things, deal with it and harden up and, you know, <laughs> get over Pub it. Panty. Public displays of emotion have not really been socially acceptable no, for men and in history. And like you said, it is getting better. And, and every time that I've spoken about this, I've had nothing but an outpouring of support, which has been uh, greatly uh, gratifying to me and, and hugely uh, relieving. 
Because every time we talk about this kind of subject, I'm always worried that there's going to be those people that come out of the woodwork to tell me that I'm just not good enough. Um, yeah. I don't need people to tell me that. I'm already telling myself that. That's kind of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> and if you are one of those people that, that holds to the belief that people who suffer with depression and anxiety are simply making excuses for being lazy or if they're uh, somehow just weak or you know useless, first of all, fuck you. <laughs> and I can't say that with more venom. Second of all, I'm really sorry that someone hurt you. And thirdly, take a look at Sam and I's work schedule if you think <laughs> that people who with depression are lazy. Uh, the other thing is that if you don't understand what depression is, if you can't imagine what it's like, it's probably because you've never had it. Yes. And unless and you've had it, feel you thankful. don't know what it's like. Yeah. It, I, uh, for a long time, uh, had a friend who had depression and I didn't. And I thought I understood. I, I thought I, you know, understood what they were going through and I used to try and help support them and stuff. But it wasn't until I myself developed it that I understood how wrong I was. Yeah. And how much worse it is in person. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, for those people who don't suffer with depression and anxiety, I am very envious of you. Uh, <laughs> and I wish you nothing but the best. And I hope that you never have to go through this because it's not something that's fun. But I forget. It's funny how often I get met with surprise when people find out that I have it because they don't seem... Well, in their mind, in their eyes, I don't seem like I have it. Well, yeah. It's... It, I'm thinking, what basis of comparison are you... <laughs> I, I don't really hang around people when it hits. That's true. <laughs> For me, it's been funny because, you know, like in personal life, I'm not normally very open with it. But since I started the social media stuff, I felt almost responsible to bring the message out there because I hate the stigma that surrounds this. Mm. I've watched friends of mine die literally kill themselves because of this because of the stigma mm. and so for me it was almost a an act of self-preservation to bring this into the light because if i can create a community or if i can help to encourage a community that will support people who suffer with what we do then i'm less likely to fall into that hole where i can't climb out again um and so, you know, for me, it was a really important thing. So I've been a lot more open with it, and now people aren't surprised. And to a certain extent, I actually, uh, I'm actually happy about that um, because it means that it's getting through. And it's particularly important for people who are, you know, quote unquote, in the public eye, because you know they say see us through the Forgecast, they see us through our YouTube channels, they see us smiling and talking to the screen and showing off the beautiful things that we make. What they don't see is the, the moments where we just sit there in our workshop staring at the wall and have to sit there. For, sometimes a couple of hours will go by before we can muster up what it takes to keep going. They don't see that because that would make a boring YouTube video. So <laughs> knowing, really would. knowing that there are people that go through that themselves and yet keep going... Hmm. those people that realize that i mean to be able to champion that is an honor to be honest because one thing that people need to remind themselves of is that they have survived every single one of their worst days 
every time that they have had a panic attack thinking, I can't handle this, I can't get through this, they're still here. So they did. Mm-hmm. And you need to just keep forging on and that doesn't necessarily mean fighting it and fighting through it and pushing yourself and killing yourself over it. It, it. Sometimes it means taking the time to step back, reassess, look after yourself, do a bit of self-care, go fishing, go bush, you know, go for a walk, make something beautiful, whatever it is that you need to be able to charge those batteries, fill that tank and get back to it because ultimately... It hasn't gotten you yet, and every day that you keep going and forging on is a day it hasn't gotten you again. And that's it. And I, I can't stress enough, you know, like my thankfulness for my friends, including, uh, well, especially you, Alex, and you know, uh, Adam. Uh, Love and... you too, big fudge. <laughs> but it it is incredibly important to surround yourself with people who are supportive. Even if they're not sufferers themselves, which uh, I will be honest, most of the people who um, who are my best friends are sufferers themselves, because we do tend to seek each other out. Hmm. Because, like I said, it's really hard to understand unless you've been there. But even if they're not a sufferer, if they're a supportive person of you and you know that you can reach out to them in your darkest moments, it is desperately important that you have those people. Because sometimes you need to get thrown a life preserver. Sometimes when you're drowning, you can't save yourself. Um, and that's why I've always said, and will continue to say, if anyone's in that stage, they can always email me or message me, uh, samtownsplaysmith on, uh, at gmail.com or samtownsplaysmith on Facebook and Instagram. And I'm always willing to answer that kind of message. Uh, and, you know, like, I've seen a lot of people in the public eye who've said that and then never actually followed through. Mm. I, I stick to my word. If I make a promise, I keep it. Um, because sometimes even speaking to a complete stranger can save you from yourself. Um, well, that's why there's hotlines for that sort of thing. Exactly. And, and there are a number of hotlines and I will, uh, ask Alex's forbearance for, uh, putting that in the show notes and on the Instagram page when we post this up. Uh, hmm. Maybe a couple of numbers to uh, the hotlines in maybe the US, UK, and Australia. Hmm. And feel free to comment on the Instagram post any numbers from your local area if you uh, have one, because I think that's incredibly helpful. But having how and and to bring this back to forging, um, you know, as as we've said, a lot of people use uh, this craft as a way to escape the demons or a way to control the demons. And that's fantastic. But not only that, we have developed and we are still developing amazing community of supportive and creative people who are more than willing to reach out and a helping hand anytime that someone says they're struggling. All you have to do is look at Seth Wood um, and you know what yeah. he went through. And Seth, even in his darkest moments, was willing to reach out to people who were struggling. And keep good humor through the entire thing. That's it. And, and that is what I value above everything else. This community has to be the best community I have ever been a part of. I can absolutely attest to that. I have, I mean, I've alluded to it in the past. I've had an incredibly comically wide variety of jobs in my life um, from all different manners of communities. And I've been a part of all of those communities 
and I've never found one that even comes close to the support and encouragement and warmth of the blacksmithing and bladesmithing community. I will never not be proud of being part of this community. And the fact that there are people who look to me for, you know, knowledge and stuff like that will always be a huge honour. Um, but the, the big thing for me is that as long as I am part of this community, I'm always going to encourage this community to stay the way it is right now, which is to be supportive and encouraging. And we do have the bad apples. We do have uh, the forums that are well known for being uh, tetchy and not very welcoming. But those communities will die out as, you know, the, the better communities come forward. And, you know, I'm, I'm never going to not shoot down those people who refuse to be welcoming and to be encouraging. Um, yeah. Because and we have the platforms to be able to help do that. Well, that's it. And, and that's one of the reasons that this platform exists is to is to perpetuate the the encouragement of people in this craft. And we will always be that for the for this community where the Forgecast is the number one place for encouraging all kinds of makers. And uh, I'm always going to be happy about that. I'm always going to be proud of that. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I, I greatly appreciate each and every one of our listeners, each and one of every one of my subscribers on YouTube, uh, everyone who follows me on Instagram. Um, you are all fantastic people. And please keep being the awesome people that you are. Um, because you are what makes this show great. You know, yeah. we're just, we're just voices on a radio. Um, you we guys talk like this to each other, regardless of whether you're here or not. So <laughs> that's it. But you guys are what make this, this channel, this show amazing. And, um, the feedback that we get is always so great. And I love it. Uh, never stop, never stop sending in that feedback. We love it. Um, yeah. but yeah, this, this craft has saved my life legitimately. Um, uh, there have been points in the last two years where I have considered suicide, and I will state that openly now. <laughs> I've denied it for a long time. Uh, but I did openly con uh, consider and actually went to the planning stage at one stage. And like I said, for me, a lot of my depression comes back to meaning. And when I would get to the point where I found that there was literally no meaning in my life, no purpose, there was no end result of my life that was going to be in any way positive. The sole reason I kept going at that stage was because I wanted to make that next project. Mm. I found a new project that I wanted to make and I made it. And then I found another project and I'm like, oh, but I have to make that before I go. And then I get to the next project. And by the time I'd got to that next project, the plans were gone. The feelings were gone. That that depression of episode was gone and I could look back at it and go, okay, that was bad, but I'm still here. That's right. And, and so, yeah, I, when I say that bl bladesmithing saved my life, that's what I mean is that it legitimately 100% saved my life. Yeah. And, um, it's one of the reasons why I say that I'll probably bladesmith till I die, uh, because this is what I do now. And ultimately, uh, you're talking about purpose and ultimately there is no purpose to be had in a life that is anything less than what we are capable of living. Exactly. And we are pushing that, the capabilities that we have every day. <laughs> it's why 
we encourage learning, challenging yourself, expanding your horizons because every new horizon that you see is more purpose that you have, more ability that you have to create beautiful things and to justify your your existence to the world, leave things behind that will outlive you. Yeah, absolutely. And never think, I can't. Just think, how can I? Niels Vandenberg actually shared a phenomenal quote. I'm not sure if it was him that said it or if it came from somewhere else, but it's been sticking with me a lot, actually. He said, um, successful people find a way. Um, lazy people find a way out of it. Or, yeah, or find an excuse. Find an excuse, yeah. <laughs> and it, it always kind of, if every time I think, oh, no, I, I shouldn't do that because it'll probably just fail or something, that's a find an excuse. Exactly. Oh, I can't because because reasons. Because, because, because. It's the same <laughs> as people who say, I should. There's mm. no good sentence ever started with I should, except um, yeah. I should buy a ticket to Tasmania so that I can come <laughs> and hang out with my fellow Forgecast co-host. Uh, or uh, our listeners should finance a ticket to Tasmania <laughs> so that right. I can hang start out. A go, start oh, a GoFundMe so that Sam can come visit me in Tasmania. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> careful what you wish for big fudge uh, <laughs> I just might get it we can yeah. always wish yeah uh, but yeah no. The, and, the, and while again while this episode has been a little bit more deep and meaningful than our usual episodes and while it's been a little bit more kind of full on it's a really important subject and it's one that we will probably come back to or at least allude to in future episodes and you know we're always open to hearing from our listeners about this kind of stuff um, if you want to share your experiences on the show, that kind of stuff, we're always open to that. Yeah. But it's, for me, it was really important that we kind of share this kind of stuff because the more that we perpetuate that silence around this issue, the more people who are going, we're going to lose to it. That's right. And it's a lot. It's a scary number, particularly really with is. male, it's particularly with male depression. It is, um, not a number that is talked about enough when you find out what the number is. It doesn't matter what country you're talking about. The number is terrifying. Mm. It, yeah, it, it's scary. I don't want to become one of those. <laughs> you know, I don't want to become a number. No, it's, um, I think the only saving grace with myself is that uh, my, my beliefs prevent me from doing it. Yeah, you're too stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> It's one way to look at it. Too angry. Yeah, too angry to die. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's as good a reason as any. I still I still have to finish a Damascus billet. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. You're never going to finish Damascus billet. That's it. I'll die when I'm 200. Mm, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 200 I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Don't tempt me. <laughs> That's all right. I'll have to make a billet and send it to you. Yeah. No, that'd be cheating. You did send me one. <laughs> I did send you one. And, and it, it, delaminated. it delaminated on the first hit. It was your magic. Just, you know, it was perfect when it got to you. And then I blame Dan Moss's hammer. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that lighter note and getting back to talking about forging, um, a new month brings a new forge cast challenge. Now, mm. I actually got to see a few... Some people actually posted their pass-through um, 
finial. And yeah, they did it quite successfully. It looks great. We've had some people punching and drifting eyes uh, and leaving very clean slugs that made uh, made me kind of embarrassed to show my own work, to be honest. I, I did see a few of those. They looked amazing. Incredible. Um, so we've got one that is uh, deceptively simple to do, um, difficult to do well for mm. February. And it's Forgecast Challenge of the Month now, remember, so you've got all of February to do this. And it is to execute a basket twist. Mm. Bonus points... If you're able to forge a, a uh, captured basket twist, where you actually have a smaller basket twist inside of a larger basket twist. <laughs> oh, God. Pass. It is, it is possible. Oh, I, I, I'm very aware. Yeah. Actually, but, Timothy, uh, Timothy uh, Deke yes. on YouTube did, a, did an opposite direction captured basket. He did, and it was fantastic. It was scary. Yeah. <laughs> the preparation that went into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, give also, that a try. It also, could be, it also could be an opportunity for you to try uh, forge welding if you want to do a uh, separated bar basket twist. Well, that's what I was uh, saying. Like You can do it the easy way just, or the hard way. The easy way is to actually get a welder out. The hard way is to do it without the use of a welder at all. And that, uh, well, you know... Really, there are three. Yourself. There are three ways. Oh yeah, you can, chiseling it. You know, chiseling it. You can use a stick welder, mm-hmm. or you can forge weld four mm. bars together. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there are there are three ways to do it. Uh, your your option as to what, <laughs> what way you choose. <laughs> choose wisely. <laughs> but we want to see them. I'll tell you what, though, nothing. No, it makes you feel like a million bucks when you when you switch the direction of that twist and it opens up. Oh, absolutely. I love it. I've only made like two. Yeah. So I'm going to have to make another one. I, I know I promised to make the Forgecast challenge stuff. I'm Me gonna too. Have to, I'm going to have to go back. Busy. I'm going to have to go back and like make all of them now. <laughs> um, well, I, I actually have a, um, a, a customer that's been like not ghosting me but he's been really busy he's just started a really big business venture and all of his attention has been on that but he actually has been he still wants me to do it but a set of andirons or fireplace dogs um and it's for a georgian manor that's here um Mm. and i really wanted to actually the the finials on the tops of the fronts of the andirons i wanted to actually put basket twists on um just because they're classy as hell (laughs) Um, but it was going to be a tricky challenge for me because I had to try and get them um, perfectly matched but opposite if that makes Mm. sense Uh, because you don't want them both twisting the same way on a pair of andines that wouldn't look very good at all so um, yeah I'm I'm looking forward to that build and he still does want me to do it it's just uh, trying to pin each other down because I'm really busy all the time he's really busy all the time and we're at opposite ends of the island and it's a bigger (laughs) island than you'd think yeah, it is actually quite a large island. That's true. He's out. Looks, he's outside of shouting range, so it it looks smaller than it. It looks small because it's right next to the mainland of Australia. But you've got to remember that the mainland of Australia is about the same size as the continental US. Yeah, if you were to actually <laughs> drive from the northwest corner to the southeast corner, it would take you about five hours. Yeah, yeah. That's Tasmania. Drive, that's if, just if you, Tasmania, not Australia. Yeah. That's just like, my island. If you were to do that in Australia, it would take you three days. 
You know. Oh, if, if you were driving like Sam, if you were driving like me, it would take you 10 days. Oh, this is true. <laughs> you do drive like a granny. I do. Hunched While singing T-Swizzle. <laughs> driving Miss Daisy. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, I had an incident the other day. I went out. This is how deep country I live. I had to quickly pull over and uh, help herd some sheep. Oh, yeah. Got to do that. The, this is the drama that happened. This is the town I live in is so small that when drama happens, it's because of escaped sheep. Like I talked last <laughs> episode about the rogue sheep on my farm. There's rogue sheep on multiple farms. Oh wow! Yeah, it sounds it sounds like that. Um, it sounds like hot fuzz. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, the, that's the escaped, right. The escaped goose. The goose. <laughs> <laughs> the goose. Huh. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I think we're tracking, tailing off at this point. Yeah, well, before uh, we say our goodbyes, I do want to remind our listeners that we do have Forgecast mugs available. They're pretty sweet. I'm quite proud of them. Um, They're on my Valhalla Ironworks Redbubble page, which you can find pretty easily. Uh, But all sales of that mug go directly towards funding the show. So if you're looking for a new way to drink your coffee or you just want to press your lips against Sam's forehead, then (laughs) pick one up. Um, and you, by doing so, you'll be, you can do it from any country in the world and it gets made locally. Redbubble actually has factories all over the planet. So you're not actually waiting for it to come all the way from Australia. If you're in the U S it'll come from the U S if you're in the UK, it'll come from the UK. It'll get to you quick. They're good quality. It's great design. It's got both our faces on it and, um, you can support the show directly because every dollar that is made from them goes directly to the show. So, uh, jump on that. I'll also put a link to it in the show notes awesome there's also forgecast t-shirts forgecast posters forgecast pillowcases all kinds of crazy stuff you can lie down on sam (laughs) the the only thing we don't have is forgecast body pillows those are coming in the next (laughs) i still have yet to have my uh kitchen sink t-shirt yeah Um, i'm working on it (laughs) it's gonna happen guys it's gonna happen um, but yeah, with, with that being said, uh, <laughs> you can find me at Samtown's Bladesmith on, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Etsy, YouTube, uh, Patreon, Redbubble, The Kitchen Sink, uh, <laughs> uh, and you can find Alex. I go by Valhalla Ironworks and I'm on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, TikTok, um, <laughs> Etsy, Redbubble, YouTube, um, and if you want to send us a question, you can get in touch with us at ask.forgecast at gmail.com, and you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Just search for The Forgecast, and you'll see the logo. It's hard to miss. <laughs> we, are, we are hard to miss. Yeah. Size of size of our egos. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're also we're also both freakishly large people in our own right. Um, I, are, I look true. normal sized when you see photos of me, but I'm I'm giant. I come from I'm pure Scandinavian bloodline on both sides, and it's a big Viking family. Even both my sisters are well over six foot. We're, we're, <laughs> we're a large family. That, that conjured very interesting images of your sisters. You know, just <laughs> imagine two giant burly. You know. <laughs> well, the, yeah both you know blonde tall like amazonian women mm. Mm, shield maidens through and through 
Meanwhile, I look huge, but I'm a lot bigger in person. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, it both looks big and is bigger. Yeah, it's 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 funny because yeah, people people assume that I'm large watching my videos, and then they meet me and they go, "Shit, okay." Mm. <laughs> yeah, just more to cuddle. That's it. I'm I'm still interested to see how how far this uh, belt fits around my waist when it gets oh, for the Versaflow. <laughs> for the Versaflow, yeah. I was tripping over it the other uh, the other day, so I think you'll yeah. be fine. I'll probably I'll probably just have to like attach a zip tie to get it to fit properly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a 42 inch waist, and I've got it hanging down to my ankles, so I think you'll be fine. Yeah. Probably probably get it three quarters of the way around. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, I think you'll hear the, uh, I think I hear the outro music coming. Oh, hark. Can you hear that? It is in the east. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's episode, uh, and I will see you next time. Alright guys, catch you later. Bye bye.